Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So how did you turn your existing skill set into what is now this flourishing personal finance-based business? So in my previous career, I was managing 2.5 million a year. I know how to distribute money across different departments. I also have the skill of teaching people. That's when I started looking into what can I do for you? I was used to being in front of an audience. And so I just started thinking, write down all of the things that you were doing. And I said, okay, I have skills of marketing. I know how to manage revenue. I know how to create a business plan. I just wrote down the skills that I already had. And then I said, how can I convert this into my business model? Then I said, okay, can I become a coach where I'm teaching people how to create wealth beyond budgeting and debt? And I said, yes, check mark. Can I put myself out there as a speaker? And then I started looking at, can I create a marketing plan? Like, how can I use the skills that I already have? Really using the power of reinvention. Like, I already have this skill set. I already know how to engage an audience. I already know how to make people feel comfortable with any topic. And now I love talking about money, right? So how can I use the skill of how can I teach that to people and then get pay more money? And for me, that was a no brainer. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business 
so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Lucy, welcome to the podcast. So, so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Let's start off with an introduction. Tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Lucy King. I am a Latina wealth coach, a speaker, and founder of Say Hola Wealth. And I am on a mission to decolonize wealth for Latinas because, as you know, we're not talking about money. We're not talking about the strategies that are really going to help us shift the wealth towards us and our community. I love that. Tell me where your money story begins, right? We all have a place, a time, that moment where we're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with money. What was that moment for you? Oh, wow. So let me take you back when my mother left a relationship. She was financially being abused by my dad. And so my mother decided to literally just leave him when I was a day old. And so I always say that I had a lot of money trauma that I didn't know I had. And because of that, we were always moving. We were always on the go. We were always chasing, quote unquote, the stability that we didn't have a home. But that led me to always have to drop out of school. And so we were constantly moving between Mexico and the U.S. And I saw education as my way out of poverty because looking back, I'm thinking, wow, we were really poor. Like we were really part of the poverty line. And so I decided to put myself back in school. And because we were always moving I never had a traditional education. And what I mean by that is I was never able to finish my grade within the school year. So I was doing online school because before even online school was popular. To give you an example, when we were going back to Mexico, I decided to just go to libraries and start like self-teaching myself things about math, writing. And so I always felt behind. And when we finally decided to establish ourselves here in the U.S., I told my mom, I really want to go back to school and I want to have an education And she had so many fears, right? Like now looking back, she was giving me a lot of her fears. And at that point, it felt like maybe she's not being supportive of my goals. But in reality, she was just trying to protect me. And so I got my first official job when I was 16. And I told myself, I'm not going back. I have to do something because I'm tired of always being on the go always feeling like I don't belong, you know, no soy de aquí ni de allá. And I got my first job as a housekeeper. 
that was my childhood dream. When I was seven years old, I told myself, one day you're going to become a hotel manager because my mom and my grandma went down to Mexico City to process their passport so they could come here. And I remember just being in this beautiful hotel and thinking, wow, there's so much diversity. Like I didn't know that was diversity back then, but I was just in love with seeing people from different parts of the world and speaking different languages. And so when I got my job as a housekeeper, I walk into the property thinking, man, I'm going to become the hotel manager of this establishment. And I did. So I worked my way up from a housekeeper to later on becoming a front desk, my editor, worked my way up to front desk manager, assistant general manager. So I learned literally every single position within that industry and I loved it. But then, as you know, once you get to the top, then you're thinking, is this it? And I struggle <laughs> with getting compensated accordingly because I always thought like, okay, my company is giving me the chance to be here, right? Like I always feel like I own them something. Be grateful. Yeah, be grateful, be thankful, right? Like I have a 401k, my mom didn't have that. And I remember when I became pregnant with my nena, I was struggling because no one had taught me how to be a good mom, right? Like I didn't have a playbook. I didn't have a playbook on how to balance motherhood, being a mom, working in an industry that you literally work 24 hours. And when I told my boss, hey, I'm struggling here, like I really need some help. I was faced with, well, you sign up for this. You knew what you, you could expect. I was faced with, well, Latinas are known for working hard, just hanging there. And I had a miscarriage that literally just changed my life. So that's when I decided that I really need to go somewhere else. Wow. Can you give us some context for the timeline of this? So you start working at 16 as a housekeeper. At what age did you find yourself being like at the top of management? I was working for this industry for 17 years, literally. So we can do the math here. But the whole time I was working, I was also going to school in the evenings. So I did like my community college. I was able to work in the evenings. I was always just looking for that way out. And education got me far, but when it comes to building wealth, as you know, it's only going to take you so far. At some point, you have to realize that education is just the first stepping stone. So you have this tragedy, right? You have this miscarriage. What is the first thing that you come to realize about maybe the path that you've been on and how that has to change? So when I went into the office and I have the team, the executive team of the company that I work with, so essentially like the middle management, not the owners, but the middle managers, and I was sharing with them that I was struggling, that I was, you know, again, pregnant because after I had the miscarriage, I showed up to work like it was another Tuesday. I was like, I'm fine. I have a business to run, right? Like that, putting on the face of like, everything is okay. And no, nothing was okay, Right. And so to answer your question, what changed for me was when a few weeks later, I walk into the office, management team were part of a visit that they weren't doing. And then I share the news of like, hey, I'm pregnant. And I was literally told, oh, well, now you're one of those women in that company with that problem. And I crumbled, Denise, like it was the hardest thing someone has ever said to me. And at that point, that's when I said, I just put up my face and I look at my, my boss at that time and I said, oh, say, let me 
let me let me just step up for for a second because I could tell that I was like sweating. My body started feeling things that it never felt before. And I went outside and I'm telling myself, don't cry, don't cry. You cannot cry. Like you have to be tough, right? But I couldn't be tough. And after he said those words to me, I just told myself, what are you doing here, Lucy? You have to leave. You cannot be here when clearly now they see you as a problem. You're not longer the audacious leader that you were once told. You have to go. And that decision came with a lot of shame, a lot of, I'm a failure. I work hard to be here, but now I have to go. And I was in a privileged position to be financially able to just leave. Like a lot of people don't have the privilege. And so I did. I said, I'm leaving. Wow. Okay. We must dive into this. So you talk about the privilege that you had to leave. What did you have in your financial arsenal that allowed you to do this? Well, I had a husband who was financially able to support me, right? And we have been talking about that for quite some time. Now that you're going to become a mom, maybe you might consider becoming a stay-at-home mom. And I had a lot of baggage with that because I used to believe that being a stay-at-home mom was just something that wasn't for me. I learned that it isn't for me, but I also learned that I had the financial stability and the support from my partner to say, you know what? I can tell that something with the words that were said to me change. And literally that comment of you're a problem sent me to therapy. And so I decided to, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn why do I feel the way I feel? Because obviously it's not right for someone to tell you that. But then through the process, I also learned about the trauma of money. And I learned that I had a lot of money trauma that was holding me back my whole life. Like, yes, was I making money? Absolutely. Was I managing my money correctly? No. Uh, was I conditioned to always work hard for money? Absolutely. And so my partner gave me the opportunity to decide, do you want to take a break? And my whole life, I've never depended on a man to like provide for me. So saying yes to that was so hard for me because my identity will always go back to what if the same thing that happened to my mom will happen to me? And of course it didn't because my husband is much different than my dad. But that's when I decided to give myself the grace of just learning what was going on with my body and also explore my own money trauma. So what were those things that came up with you in that exploration, right? Because those can be very heavy things. And I think some folks might understand they have trauma, but they're too afraid to address it and then do something about it so that you don't keep repeating the cycle. So what was that journey like for you? So for me, it was so uncomfortable. I do want to say like for me, it was uncomfortable because that meant that I have to heal not just the trauma that I had gone through with, with my corporate career, but also have to heal the trauma that my mom went through, the trauma of my ancestors. The first time that I learned about this trauma of money, I decided that I had two choices. I could look at myself as, shit, I'm broke and I'm never going to be able to make it past what I'm at. Or I could look at it as, I'm going to go in and discover what is truly mine and what I need to detach and I decided to look at my trauma as something that was indirectly given to me, but that didn't mean that there was something wrong with me. It just meant that I was willing to explore. And 
I make the decision that I want to become the first millionaire in my family. And for me, that meant that I had to heal the trauma, the unresolved trauma that I had, that my family had. And it has been a journey that has paid its dividends for me. How did you actually undertake that journey? Did you decide to go the DIY self-help route? Did you go to therapy? Was it a combination of things? I did a combination of things. So I went to therapy and I've always had the mind of like being inquisitive and I've always liked psychology. Even I remember when I was 11 years old, like just reading those self-help books. And so I decided to always ask myself, okay, what if this trauma is actually not something that is bad, right? Like trauma, of course, is bad, but I have to rewind my brain to think, what if this trauma isn't bad? And what if this trauma is actually the first mile marker for you to rewrite the narrative of generations to come? And so I did a lot of holistic things. Like I started to dive into tapping. I started in a way also rewriting the way I look at money. For me, when I was thinking about a dollar amount or money in my bank account, that made me feel a certain way. So I was thinking, well, what if I can rewrite the way I think about money? And rather than thinking about money as a currency, what if it's not currency? What if it's energy? And so I've always had to do those mindset hacks that really help me elevate my finances and of course feel confident to go online and start sharing my story because that is a whole mindset thing that I had to do, right? Like how am I going to go online and share that I had money trauma? But that has really changed my life in the life of many other Latinas as well. Yeah. So I get this question a lot, like, how do you go from an engineer to somebody in the personal finance space? So for you, how do you go from someone in the hospitality industry to now a financial coach, a podcaster, and a badass mujer who is out here teaching us how to become wealthy as Latinas? So my household paid 220000 in a student loan debt in 36 months. So after I left my corporate career, I finally had time to look at our finances. I wasn't asked to manage the money per se, but I just had that, well, I have all this free time, right? I had the baby, but I was like, I can't really talk to this baby about anything, right? And I was so used to have the identity of having a structured job, a structured schedule where eight to nine, this is what you do, right? Very corporate-like mentality my whole life. And now here I was with the baby, I made time to look at my finances. And I started reading personal finance books on how to pay off debt. And what changed for me was I really struggled with the narrative of you have to cut expenses. You have to cut expenses. Like everything is frugality. Everything is restriction. And then I decided, no, I've restricted my whole life. I've been eating beans and rice my whole life. I don't want these. And so I made a list of all of the skills that I had. And then I started thinking, how can I monetize these? And then I started wondering, is there another Latina out there that I can learn from? Because anytime I Google, you know, personal finance, it will take me back to a white man. Yeah. Dave Ramsey. Hello. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, I don't want to learn from you. And so coming back to what you asked, what got me here is once we paid the student loan day, and we purchased our home, I realized that, oh my God, I'm debt free, but I'm not financially free. So what are the next steps? And what I read online was go and ask a financial planner to help you. And so I did. And to my surprise, I was hit with come back when you have $100,000 to start investing. And I was like, I don't have $100,000 to start investing right now. And the financial planner just told me like, well, that's too bad. 
And so I laughed and I've always been that curious mind. So I said, well, let me go to the next one. Maybe the next one will say like, yeah, Lucy, come over. I'll teach you. So I went there to the next one. She told me the same thing. You need $100,000 to start investing. And then I turned around and I said, do you mind if I ask you how many people you have? How many people are you helping that are Latino or black or people of color? And she just looked at me funny and said, oh, I don't seek those demographics. And that comment is really what helped me decide I will become the person that talks about finances. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I just did it. I said, I'm going to do it. And so I started hosting financial literacy circles in my community just to teach about the basics, right? Like budgeting, paying up debt. And then, as you know, when the pandemic hit, the news were all about how Latinas and people of color were just dropping everywhere, right? Like they were the first ones to go. They were being laid off. And I think for me, that was the biggest shift. I'm like, there is really a problem with the way the wealth is being distributed here in this country. And I want to become the person that talks about money that really makes it fun too, right? Because we think the money is a dirty word, like especially Latinos. We're like, hey, let's talk about money. Oh, I know. Let me go high, right? And so I decided, no, like money is not a dirty word. Like money is abundance, money is energy. We need to talk about it because we need to normalize it. And as you know, we fear all of the conversations that come with money, taxes. We're like more money, more taxes. And so I just decided that I will become that person who talks about her own journey of how I pay off debt, interview other mujeres, but also helping them see that these conversations are so needed in our community. Yeah. It's women like you who show up, who give others permission to then start thinking beyond the struggle to start believing that we can accomplish more than just the baseline of what we've seen, right? Of just that endless hustle and the traditional careers. We need to see more examples of that. And so when people like you show up and put their stories out there, I think it's super powerful. So first off, thank you for doing that. We need so many more of these stories. I wanna backtrack a little bit and go to your debt payoff story, right? Because that is the biggest barrier to building wealth is the amount of debt that People of color as a individuals and as a community, we hold more debt, we have less assets. So what was your process for paying off that? You said $220,000? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yes, and that, was yeah, and that was combined with my husband. And so what we did is, like, that was a decision that we made, right? We say we want to create wealth. And we just literally sat down, look at what we have. And then we also look at the numbers, right? A lot of people are afraid to look at their numbers. Like they let the numbers say something about themselves, right? They're like, oh my God, I have this debt. And one of the things that I had to coach myself on was being in debt does not mean that I'm morally failing. Like I have this debt and I have to come with a plan. And so for us was 
Let's look at the numbers and then let's look at what happens if we continue to pay the minimum on those student loan debt for the next 30 years, right? And when we look at the number, we just look, I remember having that conversation with my husband. We're like, we're making somebody else rich. <laughs> like we have to pay it off. And so I decided I was a stay-at-home mom. At that point, still I was a stay-at-home mom. And so I decided to go back to school because I have the identity of like, oh, if I ever go back to my corporate career, I have to be skilled and quote unquote prepare for that. And so through that process, I learned about investing and that just completely revolutionized my debt payoff journey because then I decided I have to make money. Like I have to make more money. I have to bring income streams. Even if I'm stay at home mom, I have to start monetizing the skills that I already have. And so a lot of the money that I was earning was going towards paying off that student loan. And also I decided to leverage debt. So I decided to buy, we bought our first commercial real estate property. And then from that, of course, that meant you have to go back into debt. But then we decided that if we go back into debt for a commercial property, we can lease it, we can get more cash flow, we can start paying up more debt, we can also start investing more. And now, five years later, I'm investing in, of course, the stock market, but also real estate. And my girls, I have two now, we're like legally able to hire them through our business. That's brilliant. That is Wealth Building 101. Yeah. And you know, Janice, I also want to say that I will never forget the day when I received my first dividend pay for my investments because I, just like everyone else, so new to us, you think it's a scam, you're like, it's gambling. But I remember sitting here in the office where I'm at and looking at my phone and then just getting the dividend pay. And I told myself, wow, that is the proof that you need to detach your income from your labor. Like this is what people do every single day, Lucy, like you have to keep doing it. And so, yeah, I decided to monetize everything and also look at people like you, right? That's when I found you. And I said, well, she's doing something that is working for her. I'm going to trust that I'm going to trust this mujer, right? She looks like me. I'm going to trust her. I'm going to become the best student. And I decided to also invest in myself so heavily because I've never done it. I always have the identity of, oh, I can do it. Oh, I don't need help. Like, I would just go buy another book. And I said, no, I got no time. Like, I have to just trust people. And I did. I hired my, my first mentors. I hired multiple mentors. And now I'm like, here I am. Like, in 2023, I have become an angel investor of Latina-led companies. And for me to think that, it's just like, we really need to have our community shift the narrative of, I have debt, I don't want to look at my numbers to, I have debt, I have to have a strategy. And what is after this? Because paying off debt is not the end goal. Time freedom and financial freedom is, of course, the end goal. Yeah. That's brilliant. I am so honored to be part of your journey. You were part of my blog bootcamp and it's been such an honor watching you grow and ascend. You're now a contributing author. You're a podcaster. You're doing all the things and it's just incredible to see. Now I want to know, so you get out of debt. Now you realize, okay, this is great, like, but I'm still at zero, right? From that perspective. How do you actually start investing? Like what was your plan of attack 
And how did you fund those investments? How I've learned, so I started looking at mentors and they were teaching me different things. Some of them were like just in, investing in individual stocks. Some of them were like low-cost index funds. Again, because I investing was so new to me at that point, I probably had like a couple thousand dollars to invest. But then I said to myself, are you going to be comfortable if you lose this money tomorrow? And at that point, I wasn't because I've, I haven't seen it. And so I started investing with $50 every month. I opened my own investment accounts through a brokerage that is well known, right? That has low fees. And I would just trust it. I would say $50, $50, keep doing it, keep doing it. Don't look at it, don't look at it. And so my strategy was investing in low-cost index funds once I understood what they were and how they work. Because for me, that felt like a safe way to diversify, right? It was $50, which is not a lot, but I was just like playing it safe. And so the first year, that's all I did. And then when I worked with you and I saw how you talk about how you were making all these income streams. I remember you teaching us that like I'm making revenue through affiliate marketing and speaking engagements, a podcast, and you just start like dropping all these cash flow ways to make money. And to me, that really helped me see, well, what if I can get paid to speak? What if I can get all of these, right? So when I started speaking, I charged people, right? I was like, I'm not going to do things for free right now because I need the cash flow. So all of the money that I was receiving from my business, I start funneling into investing. I said, if someone pays me $5,000 for a speaking engagement, which at that point seemed like that's a lot of money, right? If somebody pays me that, I'm going to funnel the money into investing. And so for a while, everything that was coming was all going to my investments. And again, that's because I had the privilege of having a husband that was providing for us. And then, as you know, once you learn something, then you want to go tell your husband and say, like, this works, right? And the husband is like, <laughs> well, it's a scam. Don't tell me about it. Like, no, it's not for me. So that's another thing I've learned on my well-building journey is that you cannot teach someone the skills that you have in master or the things that you have proof of. And with my husband, because he's, he's an educated man, that's how I was doing like, babe, I learned that the stock market returns like anywhere between eight to 12% a year. And he's like, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> so he wasn't investing then? No, he wasn't investing. He was investing in like his employer sponsored programs, but even he didn't understand, right? And then I started talking to him about it. Like, look, like if we put 6,000 and at that point we max like our Roth IRA, this is how much money we're going to have. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'll just talk to the guys because he had someone who can talk at work. I'm like, no, like it really works. And so I've learned that. I've learned that for anybody who wants to kind of dive into investing, you have to heal your own money baggage and you have to see your own investments before you can teach anybody. And after a year or two, I would just grab my phone and be like, oh, I make $600 by doing nothing, by the way. And so that's when he got curious and said, Tell me about it. How does it work? And now I'm able to have conversations with financial advisors that want to quote unquote advices on like the best strategies for family portfolio. And now I can look at them and say, actually, no, that's not the best strategy. And here's why. And I mean, to me, as a woman of color, to be in front of these white men that quote unquote want to help me and prove them wrong, that feels really good. <laughs> 
I bet it does. That, I love that energy. And just knowing that nobody's going to scam you when you walk into a room. Nobody's going to freaking sign you up for some shit you don't understand. And it's because you took the time to become that educated consumer so you don't get taken advantage of, right? Because that foundational knowledge is what protects us more than anything from being taken advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I want to say too is once I hit six figures in my investments, I also decided like, okay, now what do I want to do? Do I want to continue to like, quote unquote, manage my own portfolio, which it doesn't take that long, as you know, or do I want to hand it over to somebody else and then focus on what I do best, which is now I know how to create multiple income streams and how to make more money so I can do that. And I did hand in my portfolio for a year because I was doing a case study on myself to somebody else just to see, right? Because now I'm also teaching other Latinas. And so for me, again, because this is new, I was like, okay, I'm going to hand my portfolio for a year, see what they do with it, and then actually see if it makes a big difference. And so I think you're also a big advocate of that. Like once you have a specific amount of money, you have to decide if you want to do it yourself or just give it to somebody. But now you understand the language. So then you're so much confident when somebody comes and says, hey, this is the best investment. And then you look at the fees and you're like, is it really? Is it really the best investment? I remember seeing that from you as well. And I was like, well, she's doing it. I'm going to check it out and see what it does for me. Yeah, I, I did it for a year. Actually, I took back ownership of all of my investments. I want to say maybe like two or three months ago, I gave it a run. For me, the biggest thing that bothered me was why I needed to justify to my financial advisor when I needed to take money out, when I wanted to make withdrawal. He's like, I just didn't like having to explain to you. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is my money. I don't need to give you an explanation, sir, about why I want to withdraw X amount of money from my retirement accounts. And so that was enough to irritate me to the point that I'm like, no, I'm holding on to my shit. I don't need to be having these conversations with anybody. And just seeing that they basically took my money and created an index fund, if you will, by just diversifying my money across a bunch of different individual stocks. I'm like, y'all aren't really doing anything that I can't do with an index fund. And I retain ownership over the decision making. Yeah. And that feels amazing, right? Like as Latinas, as you know, now we're in the, in the space of teaching others, that empowerment, no one can take it from you. And it feels so good. And I think for me, one of the things that I've seen with my money too, is I trust my money. You know, I went from having money avoidance in being like, oh, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to deal with it to now. I trust my money so much that I don't care what's going on with the stock market. I don't care what is the narrative that I'm hearing because as you know, there's always this marketing on like debt is good or debt is bad. And for me, it's like you can make debt look all kinds of colors. I don't care because my money has my back and I'm so confident with my money that no matter what is going on outside, I know that my money is always there to give me the time freedom that I need so I can go pick up my girls from school so I can go on a luxury vacation and not feeling guilty when I come back. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to dive into now your journey through entrepreneurship, because one of the things that I talk about, and you know this, I am the firmest believer that income is the key to wealth. It's not about cutting. It's not about savings. It is about earning more money because your skills earn the income. The income buys the assets and the assets buy the freedom. That is the blueprint. 
So how did you turn your existing skill set into what is now this flourishing personal finance-based business? So in my previous career, I was managing 2.5 million a year. So I had a, a skill of, I know how to distribute money across different departments. I also had the skill of teaching people or facilitate meetings. And that's when I started looking into what can I do for you? I was used to being in front of an audience. And so I just started thinking, okay, write down all of the things that you were doing and I just made the long list and I said, okay, I have a skills of marketing. I know how to manage revenue. I know how to create a business plan. I know how to facilitate. I know how to reach out to people to say, hey, hire me or stay with us, right? So I just wrote down the skills that I already had. And then I said, how can I convert this into my business model, right? And so then I decided, well, I was already leading people. I was a leader in my business. I was coaching people. I, I didn't call it coaching back then, but then I said, okay, can I become a coach? Can I become a coach where I'm teaching people how to create wealth beyond budgeting and debt? And I said, yes, check mark. Can I put myself out there to start like pitching myself as a, as a speaker? And then at that point, I said, no yet. I remember writing that. No yet, but I will, right? 2022 will be the year when I do that. And then I started looking at, can I create a marketing plan? Like, how can I use the skills that I already have? And then once I had that, I was like, okay, I can do all of this, right? And then my first instinct is, well, you have to have a certification if you want to become a coach. So you go look for that, right? And then I learned that actually, not yet. You don't need it yet until much later if you want that. And I think what gave me permission was also seeing other mujeres doing that. And then I started doing market research on my pricing because I remember my first coaching client was $350 for eight weeks of coaching. Now we charge a whole lot more, but also we're giving more results to our clients. And so for me, just really using the power of reinvention. Like I already have this skill set. I already know how to engage an audience. I already know how to make people feel comfortable with any topic. And now I love talking about money, right? So how can I use the skill of, I love celebrating money conversations. How can I teach that to people and then get paid? Not like a thousand, but actually like more money. And for me, that was a no brainer right? Like I'm not going to go and I knew 100% that I would not go back to corporate. Like I'm not going back. And so that's how my business was born because I want that time freedom. And of course, that financial freedom as well. Absolutely. So I know personally how important community has been to my own journey. It just gives you these glimpses of what's possible when you surround yourself with people who are accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish or just even investing or starting a business. So how has community played a part in your wealth building journey? Community is everything. I always say like one of my values and the values of Sayola Wealth is we are always community over competition, right? And for me, being in rooms with mujeres that are where I aspire to be was huge, right? So I decided to invest in your course. Then I started looking at, okay, I do want to monetize my speaking skills. 
where do I need to go? And so I start looking around who's teaching the art of public speaking, but also who's going to give me permission to be myself, to be authentic, right? And so I started investing in that and finding communities for everything that I wanted to do. At some point, I decided that I want to share my story, right? Like I want to write my story. I want to become a contributing author. And so I started looking for communities. So when I think of communities, it's not just the community that I create, but also how can I enter rooms where older people are? And I, I try to invest like probably 99% of my business income back into Latina-owned businesses. But also there has been times when I do put myself into rooms with white men because that way they think just blows my mind. Like, I will never forget the day when I, when I was sitting next to somebody and then he asked me like, how many LLCs do you have? And I was like, two. And he's like, oh, I was like, how many do you have? And he said, 16. And I was like, wait, can you say that again? Did you say six? And he goes, no, I said 16. And that just changed completely like that way I do business too, because here I am thinking like, oh my God, I, I have my LLC and it's my baby and I'm going to da, 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 da. And then I hear this man telling me that he has 16 because he's leveraging taxes, because he's leveraging well building and all of these, right? So of course, I had to put myself also in communities where I am the only Latina in the room, but I don't have the identity anymore of like, oh, I'm the only Latina in that room. Now I have the identity of like, these people know something that I don't know. I want to learn as well. And so community is everything, right? If you want to start your well-building journey, you have to be in community. You cannot just be like, oh, I'm going to listen to a podcast for the whole year and then I take no action. Or I'm going to go grab another personal finance book that was written by a white man that is not written for us, right? And then still take no action. Like you have to be in communities where women look like you, where we're having these conversations about leveraging debt, leveraging a business. And if you're not in a community, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's 2023. Yeah. Especially with the power of the internet, y'all, like even if you can't find that community within your local area, there's no excuse because the internet gives you access to the world. Yeah. Or also if you don't find that community, build a community, right? Where I live, when I started teaching financial literacy and I created those circles, people were looking at me like, what are you doing? Because nobody else was doing it. But I decided that, can I join another circle? Yeah. But those people are not going to understand the way I feel when it comes to money, because I was in rooms where people are talking about like, oh yeah, I gave my grandkid like a million dollars. And I'm like, I don't have a million dollars. Like nobody gave me anything, right? And so when you want to have these conversations about well building, you cannot be in a room where people just were giving money from past generations because you are creating wealth. And our journey as first gen Latinas is so different. It's so different. Our story, you know, now you're going to become an author pretty soon, Jenny. So you will have you will give us permission to see our story reflected on your book, but there's people that keep reading books from white men. And that, to me, that just blows my mind. I'm not saying that they're bad books, right? But what I'm saying is you can only learn so much from those books. But now that we have Latinas, multiple Latinas that are writing books about personal finance, 
that's where we have to go. We have to be willing to learn from them. With you specifically, what I like is that in your community, you don't hold back. You're not saying like, oh, well, I'm doing this, but it's a top secret, right? You're like, no, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing so you can do the same. And I do the same thing with Sayola Wealth. What I'm learning, I'm going to teach it back to you so you have to take action. Yeah. I think part of that is us shedding this crabs in a barrel mindset that can be very characteristic of communities of color. Because when we feel like we're fighting over very limited resources, there has been gatekeeping. There has been that like, well, I don't want people to know what I'm doing because then if they do what I'm doing, then I'm not going to get enough. And we have to let go of that shit as a community and really not be our biggest barrier to access to resources. When one of us makes it, I really do feel like it's our responsibility as a community to pass that on because nobody else is going to do that. Yeah. And I want to say if someone feels that, because that happens, right? That happens sometimes on our journey where we feel like, wow, I know how to make money. So I better just keep these resources so nobody else can take it from me. That is really your money trauma speaking to you. You have to heal that shit because when you let go of that mentality of like, I don't want to share because it's going to be taken from me. That is your sign that you really have some deep, deep work that you have to do. And now, you know, we're sharing our network, we're sharing our resources. Why? Because we've learned to trust our money and we know that there's endless amount of money. And the thing is, people can steal your, especially when it comes to business, people will steal your business ideas left and right. But one other thing that we have to understand is that what makes your business so unique is always you, right? Like you have an amazing personality where you just, you're you, no filter, right? I love that about you. I love that about you. And so we have to understand that when you want to create wealth, authenticity would always help you make more money, especially with the online space. That's absolutely so true. Okay. I want to hear a little bit more about this commercial real estate venture because it's not an area that I've personally invested in. And I'm curious, first off, how do you get involved in that? And what are the qualifications to be able to do that? Yeah. So for us, we have a, a brick and mortar business and we were paying essentially rent to somebody else. And I was having conversation with my husband against once I kind of got gained more knowledge of money and how much money we needed to invest. And I talked to him and I said, hey, have you realized that if this person sells the business tomorrow, like the building, you got no business, like you're going to have to move. And then for him, then he decided like, wow, you're right. He's like, I want to be 100% in charge of how much money I make, who I serve, the building, right? And also he's big on that man works three and a half days a week. He's not like five days a week is not for me. And so we just decided to look into that. And then when the opportunity came, which we created the opportunity, we went to the, the owner of the building and said, hey, we would like to buy the property from you, but also we would like to also ask you to please consider like us as the potential owners, the moment you think that I want to sell it. And he's like, yeah, I have no interest of selling. Like, I don't want to do anything. And so how we got into this business was because we created an opportunity fund. We start putting money away for this opportunity before it became an opportunity. And so with our money, every month we were saying, okay, 
we're going to allocate this much money for when this happened, right? We had the identity that he's going to sell any day. And so we kept doing that. And then we also decided to put the money into an investment account because we're not going to be working for every single penny. We have to leverage the stock market. And then when he came, we just buy directly from him. And he said, wow, yeah, so I'm having some difficulties with my partner. We might go through some personal stuff. So we want to sell the building. And we were ready for that. So for those of you that want to buy real estate is you have to create the habits and the opportunity fund for when that happens. And so we did. And then talking with our accountant, then he's telling us, well, since you guys have kids, now you can use some of the money also to pay them so you can open a custodial Roth IRA, you can do a 529, you can do all of these things for them, right? He's like, and I know a financial advisor that can do them. I'm like, actually, I got that part, thanks. And so that's how we really got into that because we were prepared. We were always prepared. And as you know, wealth building doesn't come from just like I had a lucky day and I'm going to do it, right? So I prepare for all of the opportunities that I'm creating with making sure that I become the leader of my money. If I want my money to buy me a building, my money is going to buy me a building. If I want my money to maybe allow me to hire two housekeepers so they can come and clean my house, I'm going to do that, right? But it's so important that we embody the identity of Yes, I am a leader of my money and I'm going to care for my money. And I'm not saying budget like to the penny, right? Like actually look at your money, have a plan for your money because then opportunities like these come. When the stock market goes down or when it went down, that's when I was like, everyone else is panicking and Lucy's like, I'm going to buy more. And so we have to just always be five steps ahead. I am obsessed with the idea of this opportunity fund. And I did the exact same thing last year when I purchased my condo in Puerto Rico because I started looking in January and I kept running into roadblocks. And I realized now it was like the universe was like, girl, relax. This is not the time you need to stack more money. You need to be prepared for this opportunity when it really does show up. And a couple days after Thanksgiving, I send an email to a realtor. She tells me about this property that's not even on the market yet that I need to come and see. I was already planning to go to Puerto Rico. And nine days from the moment that I stepped into that place, I had the keys to a fully paid off oceanfront condo in Puerto Rico because the money was there and it was waiting. And I was always moving with the intention of like, when this can happen, I'm going to be ready. And that is like, such a powerful place to be when you know you can take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say, Janice, is, you know, we're teaching our community how to invest, how to build businesses. Sometimes people also get confused. They think like, oh my God, so if I'm doing a stock market, I can't do real estate. Or if I'm doing a business, I cannot invest. And it's like, we have to break away from that mentality of it's all or nothing, right? Mm -hmm. We have to say, here's my money. Yes, I'm going to invest. Yes, I'm going to break into real estate. Yes, I'm going to become an angel investor because I don't think that we realize the power that we have as community. Like purchasing power is so big. I want to say it's close to $3 trillion at this point. Yes. And so we like Janice and Lucy now can create a financial ecosystem to support other Latina businesses. And now, because I have these opportunity funds that I am obsessed with them as well, now I get people that, because of the community that I have, right, outside of Sayola Wealth, 
I have people that email me and say, hey, there is this Latina-owned business that is looking for funding and here's who they are. And I'm like, oh yeah, let me give them some of my money, right? But for me to get to the point after having the, such a big money trauma, I had to really trust my money. And so the opportunity will come. It's just a matter of, would you be ready for that? Would you be ready to take advantage of that opportunity? Or are you going to be the identity of like, oh man, I should have done this, right? It's like that should have, could it, that's not part of our vocabulary anymore. And we have to be ahead of the life that we really are meant to create as Latinas. I always say we are no longer the help. And the moment we understand that, that's when the biggest shift is going to happen for us because we are now the new investors that are really going to shape the trajectory of how the wealth is distributed in this country. So we need to get on that train like yesterday. That's the quote of the episode, y'all. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna drop, mic drop that right here. Okay. We are no longer the help. I freaking love that. Now, obviously we all start off this wealth building journey in different places. And so one size fits all advice is never the best solution, but just knowing what you know now, if you had to give one piece of advice to somebody who's just starting out, what would it be? So what I will say is, is start your well-building journey knowing the pain of debt is not the end goal. So what I mean by that is write on a piece of paper and then create like mile markers, if you will. And then your middle mile marker should be paying off my debt if you have debt. But the journey doesn't stop ever. The more money you create, the possibilities are endless, right? Like Janice, you have a beautiful place now in Puerto Rico. Janice is not thinking like, okay, this is it for me, right? She's probably already thinking like five years out. And so always think ahead. So what I will say is the end goal is never to pay off debt and stop. We don't have the privilege. We don't have the privilege of, okay, I, I'm debt free, yet me. No, it's like I pay off debt, but then what else is there for me? And it start now. Absolutely. Start yesterday if you can. Start right now if you can. Lucy, your story is so inspiring and I love the work that you're doing. For folks that want to get to know you more, enter your ecosystem, find out all the things that you're doing, please let us know first where we can find you and how you work with clients to help them build wealth. Yeah, so people can find me on Instagram under at Say Hola Wealth. And how I help people is through private coaching right now. So I do wealth coaching where I can work with people that have financial trauma all the way to investing. And then I also have an offer called Jefas and Wealth. And that is for the ambitious mom who wants to add an additional income stream. And I will teach them the strategies and how I'm building a business because I do believe in the power of community over competition. And as you said, we need more Latina wealth builders and that includes money management, but also businesses. Absolutely. Lucy, again, thank you so much. And you also have a podcast, Say Hola Wealth, right? That you can listen to wherever you tune into Yo Quiero Dinero. Thank you, Janice. Yes, I do. Look at, she's the expert. She's like, don't forget your podcast. Yeah, Say Hola Wealth. <laughs> We're going to make sure to link all of the episode resources in the description. So make sure to check that out. And please make sure to follow Lucy and keep building that wealth, y'all, because as a community, 
we will absolutely be unstoppable when these conversations aren't some weird nuanced thing that these are conversations that we have at brunch, at the quinceañera, at la bodas, whatever. I really do feel like Latinas, especially with how we are earning more, how we are becoming more educated, we are going to be the change that we wish to see in our communities for sure. And the work that you're doing is helping us get there. So thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Janice. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.